0: This morning, as you came in, you were able to pick up a a sermon guide, a listening guide, and uh, right off the bat, I need to correct it. I read this through about 10 times and still didn't catch it. Uh, It says at the top, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14 to 17. That is incorrect. Uh, I'm not going to preach from Ephesians 4, 14 to 17. I'm going to be preaching this morning from Ephesians 5, 14 to 17. And we are going to be talking about the stewardship of our time. I'm glad you're here. I'm starting a short series today on managing God's investments and I can imagine the wheels are turning, the gears are spinning. Somebody's saying, oh no, grab your folds and purses. Pastor Phil's getting ready to fleece the flock. <laughs> well, don't worry about that. That's not what I'm going to do. That's three weeks from now. Just kidding. <laughs> but anyway, uh, <laughs> let me say this. I'm not afraid to tell you What God has to say about our money and possessions. I'm a whole lot more afraid of facing the Father one day in heaven, having him say to me, why didn't you preach the whole counsel of the word of God? Because the Bible has a lot to say about these things. Now, God has made some investments in us. We are required to be good stewards of his investments. To the Corinthians, Paul said, it is required of a steward that a man and a woman or a person be found faithful now, we're going to look at the three most obvious investments that God has made in every person, one each week. I'm going to first today talk about the stewardship of our time. Next week, I'm going to talk about the stewardship of our talents. And the next week, I'm going to talk about the stewardship of our treasures. Now, some of you are counting off, looking at the dates and already marking, okay, I'm going to be gone that third week. Now, listen, don't do not do that. Uh, I want to share this with you this morning the chief rival God has for your love and loyalty is money. Let me say that again. The chief rival that God has for your love and loyalty is money. Jesus himself said, and he spoke as often about money as any other single subject in his ministry on earth. He said that you cannot love God and serve God and what? Go ahead. What do he say? You can't serve God and? Money. See there? Don't even want to say that word, do you? (laughs) So that is true. Now, let me say if you just want to turn me off the subject of stewardship of our possessions, it indicates, uh, like Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, it indicates that you really need to grow in this grace also. God gives us grace, and he gives us grace to be responsible with our income. So that's uh, in the future. Today I want to talk to you about the stewardship of our time. Let's stand together. We're going to read that short passage, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 14 to 17. Ephesians five, fourteen to 17, very specific passage, talks specifically about our subject at hand, and let's read it. Uh, it's up on the screen for you. We'll read together out loud, and let's begin now. Therefore, he says, awake, you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Would you bow for prayer? Father, I want to thank you for the gathering. Thank you for these that are here today in the church. We are in the church building and the church is gathered. And I pray, Father, that you'd be with us in our midst. I pray now as I talk about this timeless subject, the subject of time, I pray, Father, that you would help us to understand this great investment and the opportunity that you've given us. Help us now to apply your word to our lives. Please bless me as I preach and teach. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You can be seated. One other little note, as you're getting situated there, um, in line with our begin and read through the Bible, there are there's a group of people out there that are you know really encouraged and really wanting to do that. And you're saying, boy, you know how how do I read through it? How can I get the most out of it as I'm reading? And so, Pastor Matt and I got together, and we came up and we decided that we would recommend something to you if you would like this. It's a book called How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth. You say, I'm eager. I really want to do this. I really want to get into it. All right. How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth It's by a man named Gordon Fee and Douglas Stewart. I've read it and used many of the principles in my own personal Bible reading. It's very, very good. We had a few used ones. They sold immediately this morning, very cheaply. And we do have some new ones, uh, a few. They're still back there. And uh, you could purchase one of those. Just see Pastor Matt. He will be back there later, and you can get one from him. And if you say, well, I, I, I would just like to get a used one. I have one in my hand that is a ragged, marked up, used up, torn up. I mean, it really is used. but if you'd like to have it, you can have this one. I'll put it back there afterwards and you can buy that one right there. Enough on that. So we've read the passage of scripture and I want to tell you to just wake up because there is no time to lose. Now make sure this microphone right here is on, if you would, please. And I want y'all to, I want y'all to hear something here if I can. Let's see here and see what this does for you this morning. That is my alarm that I use for both a stopwatch and an alarm clock, I, uh, I, but I never hear it because it grates on me, and so uh, every morning... You know, when I'm supposed to get up, I get up and just dare that thing to ring because I do not want it. It just grates on me, and I wanted you to hear that alarm because I'd like you to look at verse 14. I'd like that to be an alarm for you. Look at verse number 14. It says, therefore, he says, awake, you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you life and give you light. And so too many of us are sleepwalking through life, and time just keeps on slipping by. Subject is time this morning, the stewardship of our time. There's two words in the Bible for time. Two of them. One of them is the word chronos, C-H-R-O-N-O-S. It's a Greek word. It just means the passing of time. Now, I have a, a watch that I wear, and I know that really dates me because, you know, most people don't wear watches anymore. Me and Steve talk about this sometime. Watches, and a lot of people don't wear them anymore. You can also call it, an actual technical name for this is a chronometer, a chronometer. It simply marks the passing of seconds, minutes, hours, and so on. And so there's that word, the word chronos. It's used in the Bible, but not here. The word used here is another word. It's the word karios. It's K-A-R-I-O-S. It also speaks of time, but in a different sense. It speaks of the time or opportunity. Literally, it means opportunity or space of time. Uh, Here's an example in the scriptures. Galatians chapter six and verse 10 says it this way. He says, using the very same word karios, therefore, as we have Opportunity, let us do good to all, especially those who are of the household of faith. So opportunity there in 610 of Galatians is translated opportunity, whereas in the passage we just read, it's translated time. But the understanding is, is opportunity. So I want to focus on this this morning. These opportunities, this space of time, these opportunities that present themselves. Uh, As we look at this verse we just read a moment ago, verse 16 says, redeeming the time. I want to focus on that phrase this morning. And of course, we could be talking about hours and minutes, but it's more than that because it speaks of opportunities that we have. Because folks, we need to see time, not just as something that's passing but we need to see time as an incredible opportunity. And uh, when you're redeeming the time, as that passage says, buying up the time, then what you were doing is you were seizing and taking advantage of every opportunity. So I'm going to save you the trouble of figuring out why I'm doing this by just jumping to the why from the very first. I'm going to tell you, why does this matter? Why is this important? Why the emphasis on The stewardship of time, and why do I think it's worth stopping everything in the book of John and just talking about it? Well, because of what the Bible says here. It says in verse number 16, we need to be redeeming the time, and look at the phrase, because the days are evil. The days are evil. The days were evil in Paul's day. The days are evil today. Uh, The days are evil now. Now, there are wise ways to spend our time, and there are foolish ways to spend our time. How many of you have to admit from time to time you let time slip away foolishly. Just put it right up there. I mean, I do too. I put up both hands, you know. I'll just I tell you the truth. And so Foolishly. Now, back in 2021, we studied Ephesians carefully and worked this passage over pretty handily. So we're not going to do that. All I want to do is mention what Jesus did, what he mentioned in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 to 27. i not even going to read the passage. I'm just going to refer to it. He said there that people who listen to his word and take action are like a person who built a house on a solid foundation that can withstand storms. And he also said, those who yawn at God's word, don't pay any attention to it, just do things their own way. They are like that person who builds their house on shifting sand and that it always collapses in a storm. I was talking to somebody this morning that said I made a lot of bad decisions in life and it really turned out bad. Well, Pay attention to what the Lord says, make decisions based on his word and it'll go better for you. But let me go on. I'm here to tell you this, that we are living in stormy times and the winds are going to get worse. We're living in dangerous days. I'm speaking of cultural pressure and economic pressure and a government that's yielding and adding to the pressure, all of which is due to satanic pressure and influence. Because there is a God, little g, who is the God of this world. There is one who is the prince of the power of the air and he's got great sway in the world. The days are indeed evil. Sometimes we hear people say things like this. Like, well, you know, the church just needs to get more relevant. Hey, we just need relevant messages and relevant churches and relevant, okay, I hear you. I know what you mean. You mean in tune, up to date, tech savvy, in step with what's happening. Well, dear friends, I want to tell you something that the word of God is always the most relevant piece of piece of material that you could ever read. Would you like to know something? Would you like to know, and I want you to circle the word in your Bible, would you like to know what the word for evil is in this passage? Now, we need to be redeeming the time because the days are evil. Well, let me tell you what those words are. They are the, the word is, plural form, poneros, poneros. And the root is ponerae, which is singular, from which we get our word, pornography. So here's the verse, verse 15. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are pornographic. Now you're talking about up to date. The Bible is more up to date than anything you can read on any stream news that you can find on on your cell phone. It's up to days. It's pornographic. The days are pornographic. So what do we need to do? Walk alertly, looking around, not foolishly, distracted, but wisely, attentive, seizing every opportunity that presents itself. Do you know at the time that this was written, in the first century, the Greeks uh, and the Hellenism and the Greek culture had taken over the world, especially Jerusalem, and what he was talking about was that, that the days were pornographic, the days were evil, was the fact that they had the Greek gymnasiums, and they had the Greek baths, and they had the Greek statues, all of which both... The gymnasiums and in the baths were co ed, they were mixed, and everybody did what they were doing naked. And then the statues, all you have to do is open up your history book and look, you know how many of them are just nothing but nakedness on display. The days in the days of the first century were pornographic. Well, if they were pornographic in the first century, I have a question for you. What are they today? They're pornographic, they're dangerous. So walk alertly, that is, circumspectly, looking around, behind, ahead, beside, watching for potholes. Now, this coming year <clears throat> is jam-packed with opportunity. In fact, there are 365 opportunities in front of you. Every day is an opportunity. Now, I want to talk to you about making the most of your time, both both Chronos and Karios. Now, first of all, let me just say, let's write quickly, time is a provided opportunity. It's provided, verse 14, we need to wake up from our stupor. God has provided an opportunity. We need to see that every day, this day, and every day is a gift from God. Did you wake up this morning? That's a gift from God. Listen to Lamentations chapter 3 and verse number 22. Though uh, through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not, they are new Every morning. Did you get up this morning, wake up this morning, able to put your feet on the floor and move? Then it is a gift from God. Every day is a gift of God. And I'm a steward of the time that God has given me. One day I'll give an answer to God for what I did with this day and every day. What is a day? Well, it's 24 hours, it's 1,440 minutes, it's 86,000 seconds, and every one of them is a precious gift from God. I've heard this. And I've shared it here many times. I just got to, it fits perfectly. I've only just a minute, only 60 seconds in it, forced upon me, can't refuse it, didn't seek it, didn't choose it, but it's up to me to use it. I must suffer if I lose it, give an account if I abuse it, just a tiny little minute, but eternity is in it. You see, that's what eternity is. Eternity is this time in front of us and the time that lasts forever. We all have the same amount of time. We hear people say, well, you know, it just seems like more people, some people have more time in the day than others. No, that's not so. How many hours does every day have, folks? 24. It's meted out to every person equally. We all have the same uh, uh, 24-hour period. The difference is, In people is how they use their time. How do we use it? How do we employ it? And it's just so easy to let it slip by and to while it away. Here's number two. Time is a present opportunity. It's a present opportunity. It's something that it's here right now. Verse number 15, everything in it about walking now, walking wisely, taking advantage of today, all present tense. Present then, present now. The days are evil, they're wicked, they're dangerous, they're fleeting, they're pornographic, and that's all right now. Now, I want to share something with you. There are two days in your life that can steal your joy and can steal your productivity. Two days in your life that can steal your joy and can steal your productivity. You say, well, great, I'm going to get my calendar out. I want to know which days those are. I'm going to mark them off. I'm going to sleep all day that day. No. Now, watch. Two days. What are they? Yesterday and tomorrow. Yesterday and tomorrow. You say, wow. Let me tell you, you cannot relive yesterday. It's impossible. Can't go fix it can't go back and relive it. You can confess what went wrong, but you can't go back and relive it. Philippians 3.13, Paul said it this way, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. I haven't arrived yet, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, I keep reaching forward. I won't even read the rest of the passage. So I forget what's behind and I just keep reaching forward. So what did he have to forget? And Paul had a lot to forget. The first thing he had to do was forget his past guilt. Forget his past guilt. The apostle Paul, he was involved in the stoning of Stephen. When he gave his testimony, he said, I am the worst of sinners. But I want to tell you something about Paul with all of the sin he had in his past. And he was hailing men and women and dragging them to jail and sending them sending them to Damascus, sending them to Jerusalem, sending them anywhere to just make them suffer because of their faith. Paul, was, Paul really did a lot of stuff. But you know what? He buried all of his guilt in the grave of God's forgetfulness because of the forgiveness of sins. Now, I want you to tune in for a moment. Maybe, maybe there's somebody here today and you've done something so terrible, so horrible, and your face, if we had the capacity to just run a, run a video of it up on the screen, you would turn red, crawl under the pews, crawl out, would not even open the door. You'd slide right under the bottom of the door and just get out of here because you don't want any, you don't even want to face those things. I want to tell you something. I want to tell you this. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. I want to tell you this morning, stop trying to remind God of what he has determined to forget. How many of you are glad that Jesus saved you from your sin? Say amen. How many of you are glad that... In my devotions this morning, I didn't even plan it, but I'm reading a little, little more than normal. I'm reading uh, Psalm chapter 32. Oh, blessed is the man to whom God does not even write down their sins anymore. Why? Because Jesus died for all of my sins. Aren't you glad Jesus paid it all? He died for you. Your past guilt. Then forget your past glory. Paul had some past glory. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. I mean, he was as educated as you could be, spoke 11 languages, I've heard. He was it, man, highly educated, highly affected. but he forgot his past glory. He didn't sit around and rest on his laurels. Quickly, he forgot his past grief. He suffered, as few men suffer. You can read the accounts of Paul's suffering, especially in Acts and in the epistles, but he said this. He said, look, he said, all of the suffering that's going on is just light affliction. And he said, these sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. He said, you know what? I'm just going to forget about that grief. Then there's something else he forgot about. He forgot past grudges. Uh Uh-oh. Holding a grudge, not releasing somebody, no forgiveness. Oh my gracious. Now there are many people who did Paul wrong, You want to see an example of it that'll break your heart, just read Philippians chapter 1 kind of slow and understand that the people that were were pretending at their Christianity were fellow believers and they were trying to add pain to his suffering by just criticizing him nonstop. Paul was abused and lied about and mistreated, cheated, beaten beyond relief more than once more beyond belief more than once. He was overlooked. Uh, he was, he, he, he was just one of the most mistreated believers on planet earth. But you know what he did? He didn't, I'll tell you what, he didn't feed a fever and he didn't nurse a grudge. He says, look, I take my past guilt, my past glory, my past grief, and all of my past grudges. And I forget those things which are behind. He says, I'm just putting them behind me. I'm pressing on, I'm forgetting them." I want to tell you today, the best thing you can do about yesterday is move on because God has already moved on. Have you confessed your sin? Now, if you've not confessed it, won't on up to it, hadn't told God, yes, I did it, then you've got some confessing to do. But if you've confessed your sins, do not fall for the devil's trick of reminding you continually of what God has already forgiven. Because if you, for, if you confessed and you meant it, then God forgave it, and the one reminding you about your sin is not God, it's the devil. Move on. It is so important. Folks, this is what God calls us, forgiven, redeemed, blessed, beloved. That's who we are, accepted in the beloved. There's something else that you can't do. You can't relive yesterday, and then you cannot preview tomorrow. Now, I didn't say we shouldn't plan. A person that's failing to plan is planning to fail. And, of course, we ought to plan, but you still can't control tomorrow. You can't preview it. So here's a couple of thoughts. Don't just sit around waiting on tomorrow. I know there's a lot of people that are just trying to endure today so that they can get to tomorrow. Well, if I could just get through this day, then it's if and when, if I can get through today, then tomorrow. Well, listen, today's not the day you're living. You're only anticipating tomorrow. Think about this. We love friends, we want friends. We look forward to having many friends and we get friends. And then when something happens and they move away or we lose friends, sometimes we weep and just wail. But how many of us really look at that friendship and invest time in it? I mean, we enjoy our friends. Spend time with friends. You're not wasting time in friendships. Oh, it's just huge. Don't wait on tomorrow and don't, oh, here's the big one. And don't worry about tomorrow. (laughs) don't worry about tomorrow. We all fall into it. We're like that person, we we, we get in a rocking chair and we rock back and forth thinking we're making progress. You're not going anywhere in a rocking chair. A lot of movement, not not much progress. That's what worry is like. You know, Jesus has some advice about this. He's got advice about everything. But he has some wonderful advice about this, Matthew 6, 34, therefore do not worry. What does Jesus say about worry? Don't do it do not worry about tomorrow. How many of you have struggles with worry? It's just, I mean, it's automatic. It just happens whether you want it to happen or not. I mean, it's, it's angst. It's fingernail chewing. It's lip biting. It's, I can't sleep. How many ever worry? Let me put both hands up again. We worry, don't we? Jesus said, don't do it because it's its not productive. Not worry about tomorrow. Because tomorrow will worry about its own things, sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Hear that again. <laughs> sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Interesting that. That's very interesting. What's it saying? It's saying God in his infinite wisdom has ordered some trouble for you today. How many of you, did I see, did I see Denise and Randy over there? Are you over there? Hi. How are you? Remember this song? Through it all, through it all, I learned to trust in Jesus. And what was the gist of that song? If I'd never had a problem, I'd never know that God could suffer. And so God plans a little bit of trouble, a little bit of difficulty. And God is blessing us with some difficulty today. And I know the wheels are spinning in your mind right now. Well, I wish God would bless me just a little bit less. Oh, yes, it's so important for us to get a grip on this. If we didn't have difficulties, we might not ever go to our knees. Hmm. Sufficient for the day is the trouble. Well, here's what I want to say. Do we have difficulties today? Yep, and grace to deal with it. And Don't worry about tomorrow. Deal with today because there'll be something else tomorrow. After the first service, somebody came up to me and said, Pastor Phil, that's so good. He says, if we knew what tomorrow, the day after tomorrow, next week, next year, if we knew everything that was coming to us, we'd be so anxious, we wouldn't be able to take a step or even hardly take a deep breath. And that's true because we just, we just need to deal with today. Oh, that's just so important. Here's what Deuteronomy 33, 25 says, as your days, so shall your strength be. <laughs> However many days God's got for you, he's giving you strength for, grace for and grace to help in time of need. And here's a couple of quips here. I love these quips. Worry does not take the sorrow out of tomorrow. It takes the strength out of today. And if you're trying to solve tomorrow's problems today, you're gonna wake up all worn out. And I'm gonna tell you what, I need to hear that one. That one is one I need to listen to. Here's another one. The saying goes like this. Worry pulls tomorrow's clouds over today's sunshine. In other words, you, you can't really have a good day today because you're so worried about tomorrow. You're pulling tomorrow's cloudy weather over the sunshine of today. Oh my goodness, we just need to live today. Third and quickly, time is a precious opportunity. Verse number 15, one more time, see to it that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. He says here that we are to redeem the opportunities. We're to take advantage of, make every every minute, every moment, every hour, every day count and seize the opportunity. Adrian Rogers has a lot of quips. Here's one. He says, to waste time is to waste life. Because time is the stuff of life and life is made out of it. A person who is killing time is not killing time. He's killing himself. He's committing suicide by degrees. Murder takes the time of another person's life. Time is life. How precious it is. And folks, when I give you my time and when you give me your time, you're giving me a piece of yourself. When a teacher teaches you When a discipler gives you their time and when you give me your time, this 30-minute little block of time that you're giving me this morning, you are giving me your life and I'm giving you my life. And I want to tell you something, real wisdom is the art of spending time Wisely. Psalm 20 and, or excuse me, Psalm 90 and verse number 12 says, Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. We need wise hearts. We need wise decision making apparatuses on the inside, a a will that's bent to his will. And so here's four things, four wise principles. And the first one is the, there it is, Christianity 101, it is the prayer principle. The prayer principle. How important it is that you let prayer be the latch that opens the window of the morning. It's a really good idea to begin your day in prayer. Somebody said it's better to get guidance early than to seek forgiveness late. Better to ask God to keep you from sin than to confess it at the end of the day. And so if we say we don't have time to pray, then we're doing something God did not intend for us to do. He said, well, I wish I really understood prayer. I would like everyone to turn to somebody near you and say hello, good morning. Tell them. All right. That's what it need that's what you need to be able to do to pray. What? If you can talk to somebody, you can talk to God. Pray. Prayer. Then there's the priority principle. Get your priorities from the Lord. You know, life really would be simple if it were a choice between good and bad every time, but honestly, most of the choices we make are not choices between good and bad every day. They are the choices between good and best. How do you spend your time? Jesus lived to be 33 and roughly a third years old in his humanity here on earth. But when he bowed his head at the, ending, at the end, he said, it is finished. Before he said, it is finished. In John 17, his prayer to the father right before he went to the cross, he said, now, father, I have finished the work that you gave me to do. 33 and a third years, he did everything the father had asked him to do. Now notice, it was the work God gave him to do, not the work that he was handed by everybody else. Sometimes the crowds were clamoring for Jesus, but what did he do? He just got alone and he prayed and he talked to his father and he got his direction and he got his encouragement from the father. I read a book one time and it's called The Tyranny of the Urgent, The Tyranny of the Urgent. It shows the constant conflict between urgent things like a flooded basement. Well, that's an Iowa thing, isn't it? Urgent things like a flooded basement or important things. There's a conflict. Urgent and important. They battle all the time. Urgent and important. What kind of things that are urgent, like a flooded basement, which we've got to take care of, but sometimes there's so many of them, we don't get to the important things like time with God, time with family, time with friends, time with a new disciple. Who needs to be helped to grow? So we deal with the urgent things, of course, but we've got to be dedicated to some important priorities. Then there's another principle. Watch this one the promptness principle. The promptness principle. I love Brother Marley Kelly. I love Brother Marty. I like to, if I tell Marty, Marty, here's a little something I'd like to do, like to get on, everything like that. Before I can get set down and get my cup of coffee make, he's usually back with about a four point plan on how to get that done. I says, wow. He says, I don't believe in procrastinating. I said, you sure don't. Promptness uh, principle. Did you know this? Did you know that procrastination and disobedience are different shades of the same sin? He well, I don't know about that. Well, let me ask you this. Do you feel like your child or your one of your children is being obedient when they do something the first or second time you ask them or the 13th time you ask them? Promptness. If we know to do good and we don't do it, it's a sin, the Bible says. And in my life, what I want to do is to cultivate this habit of instant obedience. I preached on this recently. I talked about it. It was a major point. And that is, is that God is not giving us instructions that we are to contemplate, consider, meditate on, and then make some decision 20 years down the road. No, no, no. When God speaks to us in our heart through his word by the Holy Spirit and he convinces us of what we ought to do, that isn't, that's a command to obey. It's not a suggestion to consider. They are not the ten requestments. They are the ten. Thou shalt not kill. Do we need to think about that? Just on and on, instant obedience. Somebody says, well, I don't have the willpower to do it like that. Well, here's an encouragement. When you have a job to do, begin this very hour. You supply the will and God will supply the power. That moves me to the next and final principle, and that is the power principle. Now, we've read down through verse 17. Look at verse 18. It says in verse verse 16 said, redeem the time. That's the promptness principle. Verse 17, don't be unwise, understand what the will of the Lord is. That's the prayer principle. And then verse 18, do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation or excess, but be filled with the spirit. You see, the power principle is to do God's will in the power of the Holy Spirit. How many of you believe that what the Bible says very clearly that Jesus lives in us. 1 Corinthians chapter six, verse nine says that our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, and He lives in us. How many believe that when you said yes to Jesus, God moved right in and the person? How many believe that? Say amen. amen. All right, if He did, then He's given you the power. You got to not appeal to self; you have got to appeal to the Holy Spirit. I mean, the whole Romans six, six thing. Romans chapter six. I'm, I've, I've, the old man has died with Christ. I got to act like it. And the new man has risen with Christ and I don't have to give myself to the old life. I can live the new, I can do what God, listen, Romans 5.5, 5, the love of God has been spread abroad in my heart by his spirit that he has given us. We have the power. We need to just put the will to it and just trust God for it. And so, so important. He's given me the prayer and the priority and the promptness and the power principle. Now let's finish this thing this morning. Time is a passing opportunity. Time is a passing opportunity. It's such a strange commodity. Let me say it this way. It's the only commodity you have, period. That's all you've got. Say, I'm gonna give you my shirt. Nope, you're gonna give me the shirt as a representation of the time you spent for the money to buy it, unless somebody else spent the money, but it's still a representation of Time. It's so important, time is so strange. You can't save it, you can't borrow it, you can't loan it, you can't leave it. You can't take it, you can't give it. All you can do is use it or lose it. Time cannot be stopped. In a football game you can call time out but you can't call time out on life. Time cannot be stored. You can put your money in a bank but you cannot bank your time. Time cannot be stretched. You can add another cup of water to the soup But there's no way you can stretch time. Time cannot be shared. I can give you a book. I can give you some money. I can give you my opinion, but I cannot give you my time. And if I spend my time with you, it adds no time to your life. I can't give you time. I can share time with you in the sense of being with you and giving you part of my life. I I don't know who wrote this. When as a child I laughed and wept and time crept. When as a youth I dreamed and talked, time walked. When I became a fully grown man, time ran. And when older still I daily grew, time flew. Soon I shall find in traveling on, time is gone. How many of you have hit 60 and you know that Hitting 60 and beyond, time goes a whole lot faster. Just raise your hand up. Man, it just seemed, I'm telling you, seemed like yesterday I was celebrating my 60th. I'm gonna be celebrating my 66th in August. Old guy. Mm. Friends, time is a passing opportunity. I got some questions. What do you intend to do? Do you intend to be a soul winner sharing Christ? My question is when Do you intend to be a good steward of your time and other things? When do you intend to make reconciliation with a wounded friend? When do you intend to call your mama? When do you intend to write that father of yours a letter and tell him thanks for the support and the help and the sacrifice he made? When, when are you going to do it? When are you going to do it? Time cannot be stopped, cannot be stored, cannot be saved, cannot be shared. We are to redeem the time for the days are wicked. They're evil. They're even pornographic and there's no time to lose. Now, I have come to the end of my sermon, but I'm afraid that you are going to miss the message. It's one thing to hear a sermon. Oh, that was interesting. Boy, didn't you have a good point there? No, no, no. But the message is, as time is slipping away. what are you going to, How are you going to take advantage of what time? You have the opportunity you have, the child that you have, the fa- father and mother that you have, the relationship that's alive now, the, the, the people of your life, do you have time for them? Do you have time to share the gospel? Do you, do you have time? So let me, let me just let me just wrap this up, put a bow on it and lay it in your lap. Cut yourself loose from yesterday. Last year with all of its heartaches and its failures is gone. Forget the things which are behind. Confess them to the Lord. Bury them in the grave of God's forgetfulness. And then tomorrow is a time that you can plan for but you cannot control. Don't worry about it. Stop saying this. If I had the time. Oh, you do have the time. Are you breathing? You've got time. You have the time. God's given you 24 hours. He's given you this day 365 opportunities unless the Lord calls you home first. You have the time. I think it's on your sheet. I don't have it right in front of me right here, but since you have the time, then fill in the blank yourself. I need to take the time to share Christ with this person. I need to take the time to apologize to this person. I need to take the time to reconcile with this person. And I need to forgive that person and tell them I've done it. I need to spend time. I need to give a little life to this person, that relationship. And the only day you have to do all of that is today. No promise of tomorrow. Can't relive yesterday. Always in the present today. Today. There's one last thing that I've got to say, and it's on your sheet, I think. Second Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2, it says this. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Nobody can go get saved yesterday. Nobody can guarantee of to tomorrow that you can get saved tomorrow. Today is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. And I just want to say this to you. Some of you in your mind, you're thinking, well, you know, I got family to raise and bills to pay and kids to educate, and then I'm going to settle down. I'm going to have time for God. May not. You're planning for days that you have no control over. So well, I, I, you know, I'm young and I just got so much living to do, and I'm afraid if I just become a Christian and everything, I'm going to live a bored life. You have really been misinformed. That's number one. Number two, I want to tell you, you got no promise of tomorrow, and I want to tell you that God loves you and he loves me and he's provided a way for us to have eternal life in the person of Jesus Christ. God loved you and he sent his son to the world. Isaiah 59 verse 1, Oh, behold, your sins have separated between you and your God. In other words, we're separated from God. We're condemned by our sin. We're headed for a Christless eternity. We're headed for hell without Jesus. Behold, today is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. Yesterday's a canceled check. Tomorrow's a promissory note. You can't do anything with either, but you can do something today. Is Jesus calling on you? Is he drawing you to himself? Then recognize his love. Recognize his sacrifice. Repent. I'm a sinner and I know it and I believe you died for me. Oh, please forgive me, a sinner, and save me, dear Jesus. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I just want to ask, is there somebody here that would say, Pastor Phil, that's me. I need Jesus to save me today. I need to come to faith in Jesus. I'm not confident. I don't know that if I were to pass away today before the end of this day, I don't know that I would go to be with Jesus in eternity. I don't know. But I want it. I want Jesus because he wants me. If somebody's like that today and they say, Pastor Phil, pray for me, I want Jesus to save me and I wanna be saved in the only day I can, which is today. Would you just raise your hand up so I can see it? I see your hand, dear friend. I see your hand on this side, ma'am. I see your hand in the back. Anybody else, just raise it up. I want Jesus to save me. Oh, God bless you, ma'am. I see your hand right up right close up here. I see your hand, dear friend, right on the front. Amen. Oh, here's what I want to do. I want to pray for you. then I want to lead you in a prayer. And then afterwards, I'm going to go stand in the atrium and I want you to come see me. Dear Father, these folks have raised their hand. They have doubts in their heart. They don't know what's going to happen to them in eternity. But they've heard the message. They know Jesus. You loved them and died for them. Save them today. Give them courage to call out by faith. Heads about, eyes are closed, and if you just raised your hand, maybe I can't see you, but you can see me. If you raised your hand, I want you to just look at me. Just look at me. I want you to know how much God loves you. God loves you, and he loved you enough to send his one and only son to die for our sin, your sin, my sin. He died for you. If you call on him, And ask him, he will save you today. So do something like this in your heart. No magic words, heart desire. God, you're real and I know it because you're drawing me now. I confess I am a sinner. I am lost, but I believe God the Father that you sent Jesus, your son. I believe you sent him for me. I believe that he came for the purpose of dying for my sin and he did it. I believe he was buried. I believe he rose from the dead and I entrust all of my past sins and my future hopes into his hands. Jesus, I ask you simply, save me from my sin. I trust you wholly today. Thank you for dying for me. Amen. If you would, with heads bowed and eyes closed, to those that prayed the prayer, reach and get that card in front of you and mark it with your name and what you did. And come see me afterwards. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for working in our midst. There's a lot of us here, Lord, that, well, time's slipping away. And the people of our lives, those that we love and care about, those relationships are so critical and important. I pray, Father, that urgent things don't take away the important things. And I pray that we would love them, spend time with them, share Christ with them. And I thank you for these this morning that have called on you to be their savior. In Jesus' name, amen.